say to, to be together. And if it's your uh, just first time amongst us or if you've had an invite and you've come with somebody, it's just fantastic that you're, that you're here. And just over these next you know, 15, 20 minutes that I have with you, I just want to share something with you. Numbers of you are aware that we actually uh, have a building on the high street um, of Ilkeston and it's called The Project. And uh, there we, we do an, a variety of things. We sell nice crafts and bric-a-bracs and, and all kinds of things like that. We've got a beautiful uh, coffee shop there that serves hot food and drinks, cold drinks. And also one of the things that we do is that we restore furniture. And um, I always um, f- have a particular interest in furniture and the restoration of furniture. And there's numbers of you here who work in that particular area. And uh, more often than not, we, we take the opportunity to strip the, the furniture down and just do whatever repairs that are needed. And then in the you know, real trendy fashion at the moment, they tend to put some nice paint on it and uh, just different colours, colour schemes that people want. But sometimes on occasions, I know the guys there have said this piece of furniture is so beautiful, it doesn't need anything doing to it. Actually, the beauty is in the simplicity of the piece of furniture. And whilst I was preparing and preparing my heart for tonight's message, it would have been easy for me to have brought some props, as we do on occasions, and different things that are on the screens, and that will just help you to just understand a little bit better, or, or, or communicate in a contemporary way that you would understand. But I just felt that Actually, in my heart, it was, I just needed to come this evening with just sheer simplicity and tell the beauty of this story. I want to say it's a beautiful story, but I'll come on to that in a moment because when I think about this story, I think actually uh, of betrayal. I think of violence. It's not a particularly nice story in, in many ways. I think of wickedness and I think of sacrifice this is the story that I'm that I want to just tell for a few moments of the story of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ both the Bible records it and history records that this event actually happened it wasn't made up in Walt Disney it didn't come out of Hans Christian Andersen's fables this was real life this actually happened. And Jesus, who was reported as the Son of God, came to earth as a baby. That is why we celebrate Christmas. But he lived a perfect, sinless life and in relative obscurity until he was at the age of 30. Then he began to do some outstanding things. He was an outstanding man. He really was. He was the kind of man who you'd want to be around. He was the kind of man who drew crowds, not just by what he said, but how he lived his life. You see, this man, he had compassion on all. He loved little children. He loved women. He loved lepers. He loved prostitutes. He loved drunkards. He loved, the Bible records, sinners. And that is the most remarkable thing about this man, that he came to earth and lived such a sinless life, even though he was surrounded by sin. And 
He ultimately came with the purpose of dying. He, he, he wasn't thrust upon him. Some people think that Jesus had death thrust upon him. He knew what he came for. He came with the purpose, the sole purpose to die. That's why he came. He willingly gave of himself. He willingly laid down his life. Nobody took it from him. He willingly gave out of love. But what I've always been a little bit intrigued about is that we now fast forward to modern day England and modern day Ilkeston and we use the phrase Good Friday. Well, it doesn't seem particularly good to me, this version of events. And in many ways, it certainly wasn't good for God because he had to go through all the pain and all the suffering hanging upon a cross. But the point why it's good is because it's good for us. Because in the midst of this story, there is great news. In fact, there is good news. There is outstanding news. There is terrific news. There is news that is above all other news. And that is the Son of God, Jesus. God himself came to this earth to die for each and every one of our sins. The significance of this story, you may be asking, well, what is it? What does it mean to me? Well, let me just say this. This story has the power to write a new story over you. There may be a story that's presently being written over you. It's so wonderful to see so many young people here. Thank you for just listening so attentively. I know you're normally used to making a lot of noise and all the rest of it, but I love the fact that you're here, you know, from Universal, Ilkeston. It's wonderful. It's great to see all ages here. It really is. And this story has the power to change your story because it may be that you were like, as Joanna was here in the centre, there were all kinds of voices. And one of the voices says that actually, if God had a keyboard, he'd press the delete, something like that, that meaning your life is not worth anything. And you might have been told that you are worth nothing. You might have been told time and time again that you are worthless. But this story, these words that I'm about to share has the power to break every negative words that's ever been spoken over you and has the ability to change the trajectory of your life forever and ever. Amen. And I really believe that with all my heart. But this is what we've got to first understand. Because many people get very confused. The Bible's quite clear in Romans in chapter 3 and verse 23 because it records and it uses the word, this phrase, for everyone has sinned. It says therefore, everyone has sinned and we have all fallen the short of God's glorious standard. Just keep it on the screens for a moment. That word, everyone, that means everyone who's ever lived in time and everybody who's to come, every single one of us have sinned. And this is where it gets very confusing because there are some people who actually believe they've never done anything wrong because in their minds, they have grades of sin. And you say to yourself, well, I've never murdered. I've never committed adultery. You know, you know I've not robbed a house. I've not stole a car. You know, I've not shot somebody or stabbed somebody. I've never been in prison. And in your mind, you think you're a good person because you give money to the charity and you might have been a good son or a daughter and 
you know, you're living a relatively comfortable life. You might be hearing, even hearing they put the label on you. You are middle class. That means to say that you have a nice house and a car and jobs and you're able to go on a foreign holiday and you've got some money in the bank. And in your minds, you're thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me because I have never sinned. But I want to tell you, I've never murdered anybody. I've never stabbed anybody. I've never committed adultery. I've never stole a car. I've never been in prison. But I'm a sinner. Because every one of us have sinned. And that includes the sins of being envious. The sin of being jealous. The sin of getting angry. The sin of saying a cuss word. The sin of thinking bad thoughts. Listen to me. Wherever you are, wherever you have come from, every one of us has sinned. Just as a digression, what I really find interesting is those people who have done those kinds of things, they've you know, murdered or stabbed or fighting and aggression and violence, they know they're a sinner. And you might be here tonight and you know you're a sinner and that's what's kept you away from a place like this. I am so glad that you're here today because this place really should have on the front of it, plastered all over it. Please don't anybody graffiti it because I wouldn't want that, okay? But it needs to say, you know, sinners are most welcome here. Because this place is open for business for sinners. Just like you and just like me. You see, we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. But as I said, there was a need for a perfect sacrifice. This is the story of the gospel. This is where you can connect the dots from Christmas to Easter. Because it wasn't just about little baby Jesus being born in a stable and we get nice presents. That wasn't what he was all about. The reason he had to be born, he was born into obscurity, he was born into poverty. Because he wanted to show that he was going to be fully human. He wanted to express his humanity. He understood us. He understood the normal people. But as I said, he lived this perfect, sinless life. And he came with the sole purpose of being the ultimate sacrifice. You see, again, it was noted in Jay, Jay and, and, and in particularly in Nathan, what he said. And of course, Nathan was the dark side. You know, that's why he was dressed like the, you know, the man with the uh, black magic chocolates. Or was it, no, dairy milk. What, a milk tray. Can anybody remember that? Are you old enough to remember that? The man with milk tray, he was dressed in black. And Nathan just cited the fact of the need for sacrifice. You see, what happened historically before Jesus came was that people found atonement, which means they found forgiveness for their sins through sacrificing of a, an animal that had no blemish or any defect. And they, first of all, the priests, the high priests, would do that for their own sins. And then they would do it on behalf of the people. But the problem was, they kept having to sacrifice lots and lots of animals. And the other issue was this, was it didn't really make any difference in the world. Because people were just kept doing their own way and going their own way and doing their own thing. And the master plan of God was that he wanted to send his one and only son who was perfect, who would be the sacrifice once and for all. Hebrews 7 verse 27 reads this. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first 
and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once and for all when he offered himself as a sacrifice for the people's sins. You see, Jesus is your sacrifice. He is the one who has paid the price once and for all. He has made a way for you to be reconciled back to God the Father. Some people say, no, 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 I don't quite get this because look at the mess in this world. And where is God in all this? And again, I was reflecting on that this week because it reads in Isaiah 59 and verses 1 to 4. Listen to it. It says, look, listen, God's arm is not amputated. He can still save. God's ears are not stopped. He can still hear. There's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. Your wrong-headed lives have caused the split between you and God. Your sins got between you so that you can't even hear. You see, the issue is never with God. God's arm has always been outstretched. God's arms of love have always been extended from the east to the west. His arms of love outstretched. And he is so big and yet he makes himself so personal to every one of us. And he comes to every one of us and with his arms he wants to gather you. But the problem is that our ears are stuck and our eyes can't see. And we're full of our own wrongdoing. And we're hell bent on living our own way. And we think that we can, you know, earn our way to God. And we think we can buy our way to God. And we think we can prove our way to God. But there's only one way to God. And that is through his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible records, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the only way to the Father. No one can come to the Father except through me. I was reading this story. I read it many, many years ago. You might have come across it, so just bear me with me if you have. But it was a story that was told. And uh, the story was of a usual Sunday morning hymn. And the church's pastor, he slowly stood up and he walked over to the pulpit. And before he gave the message for the day, he briefly introduced a guest minister who was in that service that day. And in the introduction, the pastor told the congregation that the guest minister was one of his dearest childhood friends. And that he wanted to have a, give him a few moments to greet the congregation and share whatever he felt would be appropriate for the service. With that, the elderly man stepped up to the pulpit and began to speak. This is what he says. There was a father and there was his son and there was a friend of his son who was sailing off the Pacific coast. When a fast approaching storm blocked any attempt for them to get back to the shore, the waves were so high and Even though the father father was an experienced sailor, he couldn't keep the boat upright. And the three were swept into the ocean as the boat capsized. The elderly gentleman hesitated for a moment and he made eye contact with two teenagers who were there for the very first time. And they were looking now somewhat interested in this story. And the older minister continued with his story. And he said, the man grabbed a rescue line And then the father, the man had to make 
the most excruciating decision of his life. Which boy would he throw the other end of the line to? He had only seconds to make the decision. And the man said the father knew his son was a Christian. And he also knew that his son's friend was not a Christian. The agony of his decision could not be matched by the torrent of the waves. And as the father yelled out, I love you, son. I love you, son. He threw the line to the son's friend. By the time the father had pulled the friend back to the cabside boat, his son had disappeared between the raging swells into the black of the, light, of the night. And his body was never recovered. By this time, the two teenagers were sitting up straight in the pew anxiously waiting for the next words to come out of the old minister's mouth. The father, he continued, knew his son would step into eternity with Jesus and he could not bear the thought of his son's friend stepping into an eternity without Jesus. Therefore, he sacrificed his son to save the son's friend. How great is the love of God that he should do the same for us. Our Heavenly Father sacrificed His only begotten Son that we could be saved. I urge you to receive His offer to rescue you and to take hold of the lifeline He is throwing out to you today. And with that, the older minister turned and sat down in his pew as silence filled the room. The pastor of the church walked slowly to the pulpit and delivered his sermon following the service. The two teenagers were at the old man's side. That was a really great story, one of them politely stated. But I don't think it was very realistic. For a father to give up his only son's life in hopes that the other boy would become a Christian, the man replied, well, you've got a point there. And he glanced down at his well-worn Bible. Then a big smile came over his narrow face and he again looked up. At the boys and said, it sure isn't very realistic. But I'm here today to tell you this story gives me a glimpse of what it must have been like for God to give up his one and only son for me. You see, I was that father and your pastor is my son's friend. You and I are the sons and daughters for whom Jesus was sacrificed for. God had to make a choice, either his son or the people of this world. And you've heard tonight what God chose to do. You see, God loves me not because I am God. Listen to me. God loves me not because I am God, but because he is God. And when he hung upon that cross... I was on his mind. Just a moment, Caroline was, we was just getting ready for, to come to church and she just shouted something to me and I was just praying. She said, oh, I'm sorry. I was just praying in the room, in our chair, in our room. And this is what I was thinking about. I was just thanking God. God, thank you that I am on your mind. I am on your mind. I want to tell you, you are on the mind of God. And in his love, he wipes away our tears, even though we nailed him to the cross. 
The cross was God's plan. It really was. They thought that it got him. They thought that was it. And of course, we're going to have Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to celebrate that with real gusto in both locations. And it's going to be a very different service to hear. But I want to tell you that even on the night where Jesus was hanging upon a cross and darkness fell on the whole earth and lots of strange things began to happen. This was all in the plan and purpose of God. To make a way for you and me in 2017 to find our way back to God. This was the plan of God. You were on God's mind. You, you young person, you older person, you who's got a terrible past, you who's had things spoken over you, you who's got it all together seemingly, you're on his mind. This was the plan and purpose of God. You see, God showed, the Bible says in Romans 5 verse 8, I'm drawing it to a close, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. And this was whilst we were still sinners. I love that phrase at the end. Whilst we were still sinners. Linda, he didn't say, I'll wait for Linda to get herself back together. He didn't say, I'll wait for Des to sort himself out. He said, whilst you were still sinners, God showed his great love for us and reaches out to us. So if you're a sinner here tonight, if you've messed up, if you've got it wrong, If you feel like you've got it all together, but tonight you've heard, actually, wow, I'm so far away from God. This message is for you. Because I believe that God is wanting to reach out to every single one of us. And he's wanting wanting us not just to save us, but he's wanting to put us back together. I didn't know that these guys were going to use the key verse, John 10 verse 10. Where it talks about the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life in all of its fullness. And my closing verse is this found in Romans 6 verse 22. It says there, but now you have been set free from sin. It's talking about those who've received Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've asked for his forgiveness those people who've prayed a prayer and said, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to take away all the nonsense of my life, all the sin that's weighing me down, all the things that are binding me up. I want you to take them all away. And many of us have done that. And what happens is we've now been set free from sin. And it says there, and we've now become slaves of God. That means servants of God, friends of God. And then it goes on to say, and the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is, get it? Eternal life. There's an eternal life. There's a life both now that God changes. And there's literally hundreds of people across Arena Church who can verify this fact. Nothing to do with me. That Jesus has changed their life now. But they also know that he has changed their eternal destiny. They are destined At death, actually as Christians we don't taste death, but that's another thought. But at death, we transfer from this life to be present with Jesus. I want to give each and every one of you an opportunity in these closing moments. I wonder if you'd bow your heads in prayer with me. I don't want to leave it till Easter Sunday. We've got a great message for you on Easter Sunday. And if some of you need to say, I need to hear a bit more, I'd encourage you to come. But tonight, you may say, you know what, Christian, 
I want Jesus to save me. I want him to cleanse me. I want him to forgive me. I want that brand new start. Christian, I get it. That he came whilst I was still a sinner. And while every eye is closed and head is bowed, and I'm going to look very intently. I want everybody else to be respectful. Just keep your eyes closed. Just to respect the person's space and privacy. But tonight, if you say, Christian, would you pray for me? Because I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Saviour. I want Him to forgive me of my sins. I want you to raise your hand where you are now. Just put it up now. Just raise your hand where you are. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Anybody else today? Thank you. Anybody else today? You say, I want to receive this Jesus as my Lord and as my Saviour. Just raise your hand up where you are now. Is there anybody else today who says, Christian, I want him to change my life. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to to live for him. Is there anybody else tonight? Father, we thank you for hands that have been raised to you. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do a work in every one of these lives. Every one of them are special to you. Every one of them are precious in your sight. And I pray today, Lord, that they would know the forgiveness that only comes through knowing you, that you would forgive them, that you would cleanse them, that you would give them a brand new start, that they would have a new life in Jesus. Oh God, I pray that you would change them from the inside out, that you would remove all the old stuff, all the old ways. And Lord, you'd give them a new direction. You'd give them a new purpose. You'd give them a new hope because hope is here. You'd break off the power of sin and of darkness and death over people's lives. The fears that are holding people back and people would walk into a new future in Jesus. Lord, I speak your blessing over every heart's that's responding to the message this evening. God, do a deep work in every one of them, I pray, in your name. While every eye is closed still, just for a moment, I just felt the whisper of God whilst we were worshipping. I don't know why, but I just felt it very strongly. And there's people here who need the touch of God with regards to healing. We believe actually at Calvary, there was provision with regards to the forgiveness of sins and also breaking the power of sickness and disease. If you are in need of prayer tonight, you're sick in your body. I just wonder, while every eye is closed and head is bowed, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to bring you forward. But if you just raise your hand where you are now, I just want to pray. Yeah, Father, just give you another moment. So on this Good Friday, Lord, on this Good Friday, we know, Lord, that you came, we've declared it, to break the power of darkness, to give us new life and forgiveness. But also there is provision in the cross with regards to healing. By your stripes, we are healed. I simply pray for every hand that's raised, healing. I speak healing power, healing power. In the precious name of Jesus, may you be healed now. May you know that something's changed in your body. 
May you testify to God's amazing miracle working power as a result of being in this meeting because you've met with God. God, meet with people. Holy Spirit, meet with people. Minister to people. Minister life where there's death. Where there's the sound of death, we speak life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name over every heart. Over every heart. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name.